please read our full disclaimer or listen to it. But for now, just note that all content is for informational, entertainment, educational, and harm reduction purposes only. Life-Changing Trips and Harmony Williams and their affiliates and guests are not doctors or mental health professionals or legal advisors. Any information shared is not meant to treat, diagnose, or claim cures for any physical conditions or mental illness. Psychedelics and sacred plant medicines are not for everyone, even when done legally. There are serious contraindications with various health conditions and pharmaceutical medications. Please do your own research and take action to be informed. Remember that you are 100% responsible for your actions and subsequent consequences. The views of the guests are not the views and opinions of life-changing trips. I'm Harmony Williams, and this is Life Changing Trips. Sometimes it's hard to see the freedom and the beauty that lives behind the weight of everything we carry. But I believe that life is so amazing, and I can't waste another moment. I'm so excited to be here with you for another transformational conversation about experiences and the latest research on plant medicine, meditation, breath work, and other unconventional modalities, and how they are being used for mental health and expansion. I hope by listening that you will find ways to integrate your peak experiences and epiphanies to open up new levels of possibilities, ingenuity, and fulfillment in business, and deeper, authentic connection and passion in your relationships, and a feeling of purpose, of living fully alive. Okay, welcome back. This is part two of three with Angel and Eric. If you're enjoying these episodes, please let me know if you'd like to hear more of them or if you want to get back to other modalities or plant medicine. I chose to share Angel and Eric with you because it has been one of the most life-changing tools that I've had in my life to help me be able to fight depression, become happier and more joyful in my life, overcome spinning in my head, or when I have huge problems that seem unsolvable. I just think that the tools that she shares are so useful and helpful. If you have any questions for Angel and Eric that you'd like to have them answered, please send those in. You can send me a message on social media. So coming up, we have a lot of awesome recordings and interviews already. We have an interview with the shaman and the shrink, and we have an interview with Doug Cartwright, who is the author of Holy Shit, We're Alive. We have an interview about ketamine, about breath work. We have a cannabis educator coming up. So many already on the list, but please tell me what you would like to hear about. If you want to hear more about science, more about stories, or if you want to get quicker into some other alternative modalities like EMDR or drumming, I'd love to hear from you. I'm also planning to do a series of microdose episodes, just small little 10 minute episodes that explain what microdosing is and give some people's personal experiences with it. Lastly, if you want information on integration groups, microdosing groups, or retreats, go ahead and click on the link in the description or just message me and I can point you in the right direction. 
Okay, Angel has a big event coming up. It is the Yin on Fire Festival. It is going to be at an incredible hundreds of acres of camping, and they have a man-made lake with these giant water slides, all kinds of fun stuff to do there on the man-made lake. But the coolest thing about this is they are going to have workshops, spark talks from the main stage, some vendors on Saturday only. The first couple days will be kind of like, like this spirit of giving. All of this is done in such a conscious, heart-centered way, and there's going to be workshops, anything from sound baths and breath work and Reiki and drumming and all kinds of different modalities that we are actually going to be talking about on the show. So it's a really neat opportunity. If you want tickets to that, go to the show notes and use my link there. And if you'd like to apply to be a vendor or a speaker, you can check out that link or you can send me a message and I'll get you the link to apply. Okay, we left you on a cliffhanger last time and we are all dying to hear what Eric has to say. So we're just going to go right where we left off with Eric. I shift out of my female ego that thinks she has to control and into listening. And I'm just curious as to Eric, how that's felt to him. Well, and on my side too, it was a conscious choice to step out of my, my previous marriage and what that experience was like. A big part of my career, no matter what specific field I've been in, I, you know, run anywhere from a dozen guys to hundreds of guys on job sites and having a personal connection, investment, not only with each individual, but the, the scope of the jobs. I mean, they're very intense. I've had some, some very big things on my shoulders. There wasn't space for any of that to be shared in my first relationship. And that's where all the programming, happy wife, happy life. You know, I'd come home, she didn't want to hear it. So I shut it down years ago. And I just, I wouldn't share any of those pieces. I would navigate my day and be a freaking rock star at work and come home and it was all about my fragile wife you know tending to her needs being in that position of my stuff at that moment it didn't matter it was all about her day her experience and those things and so i i didn't share those pieces were just clammed up and i'd sort it out the next day or when i was up late at night going over prints for jobs things like that i just worked through it myself and going into this relationship with Angel, it was a conscious choice to do everything differently than what my experience had been. Because I came in empty, you know, everything had been so lost along the trail. And so it was, it was at that point of what have you got to lose? And I wanted her to know the real me. I wanted me to know the real me mm-hmm. and to be able to bring that out and share it. And so her creating that space and being willing to sit through the initial boring details of me just learning to navigate that space and to actually share and to bring things around. It was beautiful. It was, it was a process and there were so many fun things that we've learned about each other. You know, we operate in totally different wheelhouses and it's perfect, but to be able to show up with anything and have it received and to be held in those moments and be valued has shifted everything. So beautiful. So I just learned from my husband that the reason in his mind, he didn't share about his stresses or about things that were going on was because I was too emotionally fragile or that would just rock me too much. And then here, then I'm a mess and, (laughs) and I can't 
can't handle it because I'm so worried or whatever it is about him. However, I was handling that. And you taught me something, Angel, in one of our sessions that was just like this golden, it was so amazing. So as maybe you can explain that again, because I'm still working on this about how when someone's in pain mm -hmm. or they're struggling, or maybe they have this problem and you don't have to go be depressed with them, or you don't even have to agree with them, but how you hold that energy. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that? Yes. There's two key concepts. One, stay in your lane and two, holding space. So what it means to stay in your lane is just to imagine that you and your partner are driving down the freeway in side-by-side -side lanes in your own vehicles and that you keep looking over to try to see his speedometer and to try to see the gauges on his dashboard to, to know what's going on in his car. How long would it take before there's a crash? You know, so it is so similar in a relationship. Most of the time, I deal with mostly women, so I'll speak from that as bias and probably stereotypical but it's only been my experience that most of the time women come in for counseling and they drag their husbands in it's it's predominantly women calling the, the clinic and asking for an appointment and then saying things like we need therapy we need to go and what they do when they bring them in is they say here's what's wrong with my husband fix him that's at the core what they're saying why because they're looking at him they're watching him and his traits and when you're doing that you're in self-deception you are not seeing your stuff. And I can speak to that from my past marriage, why I was so frustrated with my husband. He's doing this, this, and this wrong. He's not providing. He's this and that and that. And I thought if he were fixed and if he got his stuff together, then we would be happy. I would be happy. The family would be happy. We'd reach our goals. What I've learned since then is about inner work and realizing I need to stay in my lane because I'm responsible for my emotional health. I need to learn to source my emotional needs from within and not make them dependent on how he is or who he is or what's going on. So staying in my lane meant that I began to govern my own mental, emotional, physical, and spiritual wellness. So that's step one. So if he's having any mood swings or stresses or he's angry or he's frustrated and it's playing out in any way in the family, it's not my responsibility to correct his emotions or to tell him what to do differently. I generally look at myself first and think, where am I doing this in my life? And if it's anywhere present, I work on it because I find often I'm mirroring his emotional swings. And if it's not present, I can look back and say, where and when in my life, in my past, have I been this way? angry or shut down or depressed or anxious, you know, anything that I see in him, where and when. And when I look back and can see a time when I was feeling that way, I just ask myself, what was my motivation in that space? And I review it and can think, oh, I understand why I was doing that. And I was innocent because I was doing the best I could with what I knew. And I love myself and forgive myself for that time and place and then when I look at him all I have is compassion and understanding for what complications of life situations are evoking these specific emotions and attitudes and behaviors so it's with compassion and I just look at myself and I'm like okay what does it take for me to stay balanced to stay clear and to stay living from a place of truth so there I am driving my own car so to speak monitoring my vehicle and staying in my lane 
it is the best thing you can do for a partner because when a partner's in his lane and say he's going back and forth or things are falling apart, rather than feel like I'm harping on him and he's getting the message, I'm not enough, I'm failing my wife, I'm less than, I'm not worthy and going into the shame spiral, he gets to look over and go, oh, that's what it looks like. And my perspective is that men are brilliant at opening a package. Say you order something that needs to be put together and they open the box and they pull out the set of instructions and it's got those little pictures and instructions on how to assemble this machine and they can do it. Why can they do it? Once they've seen it, they can do it. And I love this. It works. Once you're modeling it as the woman, this is what it looks like to be in charge of yourself. They pick up on all the habits and there's a lot of them involved, you know, just self-care mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually, and they'll model it. So staying in your lane is number one. Do you have any thoughts on what that's like? What had popped up for me was having the, the transition in views of selfish and, and self-care. Mm. That's a huge one. You know, as men, anything that we do outside of providing for our family is somehow deemed selfish. You know, any, it's, it's just one of those programmed things. And truthfully, once we've got to the nuts and bolts of it, it's not, it's self-care. Those are, those are the moments that we have, have earned as well to treat ourselves to, we don't have a nail salon, but you know, whatever your thing is to, to help yourself feel better about yourself or to do a little upkeep, do an oil change, do whatever you're looking for and to just let it be. It doesn't have to be taken away from anything else. It doesn't have to be motivated by anything else or for anybody else. Take care of your own business. Stay in your lane. Do you. While she's over here just straight lining in her car, I get to stop and have a leisurely drive and get a drink and just take my time and observe the orange grove that we're going through or, you know, whatever it is. We don't have to be on the same pace. Yeah. You don't have to. It's not a competition. We're partners. You share the journey together. It's not a race. There's no right way to do it. Big pieces that he's pulling out right there. It's not a competition. That is an unspoken underlying element in relationships that people don't talk about. We're competing for who's doing better at their job, mentally and emotionally. If people will look inward and say, where am I competing with my husband? The answer will come because the ego is going to listen to what I just said and say, oh, we, there's no competition in our relationship. And it will shut down self-awareness. If you take that as a question, where is there competition in our marriage? As women, we're trying to prove that we're doing all we can. And then same thing with men. Gosh, Eric, you said some great things. I wish I could hear them again. When Eric says that for men, they feel like any type of self-care, that's not even a word men really use, but time to themselves is taking away from time with the family. And that gets put upon them a lot. You know, you're going to another ball game or you're watching this on TV or, you know, you're going to go ride your dirt bike. Great. It's Saturday. There's stuff around the house that needs to be done and this and this and this. There's this honeydew list. And women have these expectations. When you're not at work, you should be here with me. The reason is you cannot give what you don't have. And when that's showing up in your relationship that you're resentful of the time and space that your partner's taking for themselves, guess what? You're not self-caring. You are living a pattern of self-betrayal and martyrdom. So we give to others. Giving is an open-hearted offering of my time, talents, and resources. That's a gift. 
When I give myself to you and I have no expectation on the return, that's a gift. Contractual relationships, meaning there's a contract with binding expectations and reciprocity is, I did this for you. You need to do this for me. I've done this, this, and this. Now I expect this, this, and this. And sadly, many relationships operate on that level to such a degree that sex becomes part of that contractual give and take. Okay, you've done so much for me, honey. The wife says to the husband, I will pay you with sex. And of course, verbally, probably not said, but the expectation is heavy for many women that that's how they pay their husband for being a good husband, a loyal husband, for taking out the trash, for watching the kids for them. This is detrimental to the quality of a relationship and it undermines the possibilities. So with what Eric was saying, as a wife, I can't support, encourage, or value his self-care time unless I'm living that principle in my life. And when I came into this relationship, that was one of the magical things I had learned, that self-care wasn't selfish. Self-care was actually investing in myself, whether it was taking time to learn something, to attend a women's retreat and gain skills and respite and recharge and come home, to go on trips, to do what I like to do. I valued that now because it made me a more whole person. It made me a better person. So I encouraged it. And he wasn't used to doing that. He wasn't used to having that freedom and encouragement. He's like, well, I don't know what I do. He just wanted to be with me every weekend. Like, what are you doing, Angel? Where are we going? And I was like, oh my gosh, I need time to myself. And go out. And, and slowly over four years, he has come to now really be able to enjoy and claim that right and privilege. He's like, what's going on this weekend? And when I say, I don't have anything that I expect from you. And he's like, I just want a project. And he's been building things in the carport that he's wanted to do for years, building us a camp trailer from scratch and working on his vehicles and putting together old vehicles. And when he spends the whole day working on stuff, but it's for himself, it's not for his job, it's for himself and the family. He's so happy. And I know that those are places of resentment, or if he would get to go out and ride dirt bikes with, with the guys or go do, go shooting. Those are things that I champion because it fills him and it allows him to be an individual. He is not a commodity. He's not an amenity. No, he's not an object that just is a placeholder in this relationship. He's not a pawn in my game of chess. He's a human soul with a mind, heart, body, and spirit that seeks to be fueled. And it's through passion and creative projects that the divine energy inside of us is brought out. We are all creators. And the more we sit in and be in our creation energy, the closer we get to God and understanding our power and potential. So I want him in that space. And consequently, as we both value self-care and time away, it significantly heightens intimacy because the physical intimate relationship is a place where that energy that we bring, that we individually have fueled in our own days, we bring it together and there's synergy. And we get to connect in mind, body, heart, and spirit through intimacy. It's not a contractual exchange or a form of manipulation or guilt or shame. It's an absolute explosion of celebration of what we are at our, our core level. That's for me, like everything that she's saying, like, I caution people to have heightened awareness in that space. 
that is a, a space where it's so easy to fall into the competition part. You had girls weekend last weekend. Mm. Now I get to do me. And that is, that's not a truthful space for either. Mm-hmm. Listen, check in. If it's a soul's yes for you, something you need, then voice it and make it happen. It's not about you have three of these and I have only two. Such a good point. And, mm-hmm. You know, some people need more at certain times than others. And it, it doesn't matter. It's not a comparison in any way. You are partners. You find a way to navigate that space and support yourself and each other. He's so smart. Isn't he so smart? No. Yes. It's so, not a competition in how much money you spend a hundred dollars on this. I get to spend a hundred dollars or you spend a Saturday doing this. Those are some ways where people will miss. They won't think they're in competition unless they're like, they hear him. What he just said, right? Like, oh yeah. Last year in 2021, I felt called for a, a pilgrimage or a journey. I felt called to go to Hawaii for three months and live in a hammock by myself. Yes, my children also were on the same island visiting their father. But as I noticed that I was being called by God to have this experience, it was a soul's yes for me. And I chose in regardless of what that was going to create for Eric. And it doesn't mean that I'm cold or I'm heartless or I don't care about him, but my job is to stay in my lane and he gets to navigate his feelings on his own. If I allow that, it lets him go inward and upward instead of thinking he needs to source his comfort from me and what I'm giving him and me being there with him. And we had so many people say to us, critical and judgmental things about me following God. Of course, they didn't see it that way because that's not what's in their book from God. Everyone's not told, take three months sabbatical from your partner. And that wasn't ever spoken, you know, in a sanctioned conference or anything. So it is radical. And guess what? Life is radical. God speaks to each one of us. At the time I received that instruction spiritually, I had no idea why. I couldn't see the outcome. But I'm telling you this, I trust the voice that comes through my soul, I know it, I recognize it. And I said yes to it because God is my God above all other things, reputation, expectation from my husband and worldly ideas about what a wife should do and who a wife should be. That's one of the transitions I've made. So I shared with him, this is what I'm feeling. And this is what I'm planning to do. I didn't share saying, is it okay with you if I do this? I didn't she ask doesn't for- need my permission to <laughs> lead her life. And yes, there were human feelings of, you know, what is Eric going to experience? How is he going to feel? Is he going to be afraid that I'm leaving him? Is he going to be afraid that I'm going to hook up with some someone on the island? I mean, all these things. But then as I would feel that, I would take it inward and upward and say, here's what I'm worrying about. And the spirit would say, let it go. Let it go. That's not your business. Do as you're directed. And it was so calming and I was like, I needed it. So my experience in Hawaii was completely for my life shifts. And Eric had tremendous breakthroughs. It was so beautiful. So would you share like what that time was like for you? Wow, it was, it was amazing. I completely turned my career upside down and chose a completely different path. I left a company that I had been with for over 10 years. And those are things that that never would have taken place had we been in the shoulds, had we been locked into how this is supposed to look. 
because I had the time and ability and freedom to navigate within my own life, my own space, my own career, my own relationships with my kids while doing this, you know, while doing our relationship and sharing the, the development and love there. It just opened up a whole different experience than I had had before and gave me an opportunity to really take inward what my experience had been with that company for so long. What was I holding on to? You know, what was I looking to accomplish? What were the end goals? What was I getting out of it? Just to really dig deep and find all the pieces. And in the end, finding that he's an illusion. I'm too freaking old to keep dinking around with somebody else's <laughs> dream. You know, that's not my dream. That's not where I want to be. And, and it allowed some great space to move forward and to, to create some new epic times. And I can tell you in just a year's time of leaving that job, my life is a complete 180. I am filled with joy and love every single day leaving for the office. I can't wait to get there. I'm oh, surrounded wow. by the absolute best of individuals and just everybody's there living their dream, finding their peace, making those connections and getting to share that with each other and knowing that it's a, a direction that I completely chose on my own. There wasn't any sway or pull or ideals shoved through from my wife telling me how to do it because mm -hmm. that's what it would have been had she been here i'm gonna want you know what's your input what are your thoughts all the fishing instead of her mm -hmm. just going handle it babe yeah i support you in whatever you choose so god was leading me to lose all attachments and that was my process and journey and while i was living that just modeling it he went through the same process but i didn't yeah. tell him here's what god wants us to do and that happens a lot in marriages, right? You get an inspiration. You're like, oh, we need to do that. No, 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 no. Come back to your lane. He just started losing attachments to a job and to fears and to thinking he had to stay there. So I never told him, read this book, go to this therapist, attend this class, watch this webinar on losing attachments, pray to God. I didn't. I was like, this is what I'm commissioned to do. So I'm living my best life and I'm choosing me. And we spoke every day. And in that three-month period, too, is where we really noticed this ESP connection. I remember walking down the street in Hawaii and just grinning and talking to him in my mind, in my soul. And I looked down because my hand was clasped like I was holding a hand. And my heart just started to swell. Like, I love you so much that you're walking with me in Hawaii and you're physically in St. George right now. And my phone rings and he's like, babe. I'm just feeling you so much right now. And I'm just appreciating our relationship. He just starts speaking to me over the phone, exactly what I had just shared with him telepathically. And in that moment, I realized I used to fear that he would die. When I first met him and he was so great and the relationship was so epic, I would say to God, don't you dare take him from me. Please give us a healthy life like we met each other at midlife you know and if he dies early I'm going to be so mad like I was scared of losing this because it's so delightful and through that process of me actually physically being away from him choosing me listening to my path we discovered we can't be separated because we choose at a soul level to be connected we talk to each other in our minds and our hearts and our souls so that was a beautiful thing and then i come home at the end of last year and he says here's all this time i took for myself to reflect to go Surprise. inward and upward i'm changing my career and it was like go for it 
like, I'm not afraid because I wasn't afraid. I had just been living homeless in Hawaii for three months. Like I had <laughs> no fear. Like, hey, even if your job doesn't work out and you have no money, let's just buy another hammock and we'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> It'll all work out. Down to just not only the career change, you know, it had been my entire working life. I've had a full-time job since I was a kid. That's always what I've done. Vacation and personal time was never a thing for me, ever. So not only was it coming home to the career shift, but I'm off the next several months and we're going on vacation. We're doing this and we're doing Christmas here. Just a complete and total reboot. Yeah, he was a new man. That wouldn't have happened if Angel hadn't listened to the personal commission. If I had thought that's selfish, that's wrong. Nobody does that. And those thoughts came through, but as they roll through, I set them off and I keep asking the spirit of truth, what is true? I turn inward and upward and I listen to God above all other external dictating. That's the end of my story. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I, I hope that I can, I could do it on something so big as okay, the world says this is crazy and I'm going to go live in a hammock in Hawaii and something that big, but also in those daily things we can all do when we yes. say, and I've noticed it in my life when I'm like, I'm going to work on this podcast because it's really important to me. And I feel like there's a message that people need to hear. And my husband's like, oh, thank goodness. She doesn't want to do some project with me. I'm just going to go play video games and chill, or I'm going to go on a bike ride. He has that opportunity to figure out what he wants to do without us like needing to be there, needing to be right in each other's. And we like that, right? We, it's not yeah. that we don't love each other. We want to do stuff together. But when one of us takes that opportunity and steps into it, and sometimes it's him that steps into that uncomfortable thing, yes. like following his heart and yes. leaving the church. And then it puts me in this mess of a like, but what about me? What am I going to do? And I have to figure my own shit out. Yeah. <laughs> it, it heals codependency. Mm -hmm. What we're talking about heals codependency and heals resentment and heals mm -hmm. passive, aggressive, manipulative, competitive, contractual relationships. And it's called becoming a sovereign being. Yeah. So we were going to say, yeah, that's where I was going. Sovereignty is of the utmost importance, no matter how much we think this is about our relationship and our partnership being together. We are here as two complete individuals living our life, my life, her life. We choose to share it. We choose to share it. It's not our life together. We get to share each other's journey together. Mm -hmm. And so trying to board the same ship and it's not going to happen. We, we came in alone. We're going to die alone. Mm. This is your one chance to have your experience at living in this body. What do you choose to do with it? Here's what I'm doing. Let's connect along the way. Let's, let's help each other through this. It's partnership. It's a paradigm shift because I was raised and believed that as a couple, you progress together and you enter the presence of God in the next life. And when I was feeling called and inspired to divorce my first husband, I mean, led step by step in all of the specifics of that process, God was telling me, do this and do this and do this next. I remember, I remember getting to the point and saying, but God, I've been taught that this marriage is a celestial covenant marriage that will get me into heaven, into your presence. That's what I've been taught. That's what I've understood. And I took the question in, what is true? And the spirit said to me, angel, if you and he died today, you would not even exist in the same realm. 
because you don't exist in the same realm on earth. You have totally different vibrational frequencies, connections, friends, and relationships. I was shown we are two separate beings. Yes, we are trying to be a partnership and I don't devalue that at all. It was just this slight calibration of, of mindset because I thought I couldn't get to heaven without him. And it was my job then to drag him there. Right. So push and pull your spouse to be everything he needs to be as this priesthood leader so that we could get into heaven. And that was a fallacy as far as the inspiration I received. And that's when I was taught in that space, you and God, angel, you have your own relationship and always will. And it is the most important thing that you listen and do what God tells you to do. So I took that into developing this sovereign relationship, like a sovereign nation is one that governs itself. So to help people understand what it means to be a sovereign being in a sovereign relationship, God and I govern my daily routine. Eric doesn't govern me. I don't ask him for permission for things. I share with him, this is what I'm feeling guided to do. This is why I believe, think, and feel what I'm manifesting and showing you and demonstrating. It's coming from this inspiration. And because I'm living that way, I completely trust his ability to do that. My living that way has shown and inspired and given him permission to do that. He naturally had that inclination since he was a child and it was shut down again and again and again because outside influences would tell him, you can't be that, you can't say that, you can't do that. So he had tried to fit in a box and live a role just like I had, but coming into this relationship where I'm like, no, you do you. It was almost like whiplash to him. He, he would kind of like, I don't know how to be that, but I, was, I could see it. No, it's in you. So that experience last year was really big and manifesting, but like at manifesting the power of sovereignty in a relationship and then allowing him to navigate his own life choices. But like you said, the buildup really was in the prior three years of our relationship of the small day-to-day -day things. I'm feeling like I need some alone time right now. I'm going to go on a hike and him just saying like, okay, I guess I'll figure out what I'm going to do with the next few hours. And as each person spends time in their passion or their interest or time with themselves. That's where they connect with God. And then they bring that illuminated version of themselves back together. Everything we share with each other is inspiring. When you let go of the contracts and the expectations and the pressures that we're putting on each other. And all of that is simply projection within the relationship of what we're feeling from the external worldview that each of us is taking on and feeling pressure in our own life. And then we turn and we put that pressure on our partner and it's detrimental and explosive in a relationship. This is a complete 180 degree spiritual shift. It's co-creating from the spiritual powers within each of us. We're really passionate about it. Can you tell? Like I love it. I love it. So I, I love this vision of this beautiful relationship you can create and work on. And I'd love to hear your, what you do, maybe with one of your kids even, but this other person in the relationship is spiraling and they're getting, they seem to be getting lower and lower, or they're focusing on these problems or they're going into things that don't 
you are like, that's not the healthy way that Angel and Eric did it. <laughs> Remember when, when Angel left Eric alone, he figured his shit out and you're not figuring it out fast enough. Fast <laughs> you're, enough. you're spiraling into depression or whatever this is, or yeah. you're making these wrong choices and you love them so much. You, right. You want what's best. Yeah. Like Angel was saying, you want to be like, here's the therapist to go to. And here's the, here's how you fix it. Of course, mm -hmm. kid, you need to be going to school and you need to be doing these things and get this job and go out and get healthy exercise. Cause that's going to make you feel better. And, and you want to fix that for them. So what do you do when they're not doing it? That was I, yes, so much that's step that. number two. And I'm going to hand it to Eric. That is step number two. First was stay in your lane. Step number two is hold space Absolutely. and not fix it. And this is where many couples struggle because the woman goes through her emotional cycle and the man typically stereotypically is like listening. Here's how you fix it. And then she just, ah, I don't need you to do that. And so Eric's a master at this. So take it away, this, Eric. This is another program space for men. Regardless of what shows up, we are Bob the Builder. We're here to fix it. It's bullshit. Most of the time when our wives are sharing something with us, they just want us to be present and to feel heard. They don't need us to, to fix it or they'll say, fix this. Otherwise, shut your mouth and listen. Hold space. Hold your partner close plug into what they're feeling, what they're experiencing. It doesn't have to align with you or where you're at in your journey. This is where sovereignty is such a huge piece and it bleeds over into all relationships in your life. Holding spaces is a beautiful place to be. And it's something I've had to learn to allow myself to walk into, even with my kids, you know, they're out of the house, getting wild and doing things that are super stretchy and I can see where they're going and you go, I've been there, I've been there. If you just do this and this and this, and instead of opening my mouth and bruising the relationship, I choose to just hear them out and hold them close and let them know that they're loved and no matter what they choose, that they're enough in that moment. And that's all that matters. Can you describe? In your lane and, yeah, just listen. Yeah, can I like to step by step because some people might not have ever heard the term holding space. And so when I'm in any kind of inner turmoil or conflict, and I want to make it known that every month, and he pointed this out to me, he helped me see the connection between my menstrual cycle every 28 days and specific days of the month for me, two days before the day I start my period, two days before. I spiral mentally to a place where I feel like I'm failing. I'm not good enough. I can't do this. And many times I actually will have the thought of, I don't, I don't want to exist. And if you've ever known that space, some people call it depression. I used to, it's just that it's not, it's not like I actually want to commit suicide, but it's this thought that I ruminate on that I'm so tired. I don't want to exist anymore. I'm done with this life. I'm done with all the bullshit. I feel that cyclically. And he brought that to my awareness because he was raised by a mom and two sisters and he has three daughters and he's very well aware. This is another aspect of relationships that's not honored. Men have way more awareness of us than we have of us. We tend to think that men have egos and we don't think women have egos. Men know the female ego. Men know the female cycles and patterns because they're living parallel to us and they're tracking it and they're aware. And when they say things about it, like they might say, oh, are you, have, are you on your period? 
instead of listening and recognizing, we get defensive. That's not an excuse for why I'm being a bitch, you know, all of that stuff. Well, he helped to bring it to my awareness. And I was like, I started tracking it in my phone and discovered so that I can expect it and just know it's just a wave. It's just a cycle. It's coming in. But on those days, now that I'm more aware and I honor that he was aware of me, he can just say, I know it's that day, like your period's coming in two days. And then I would love for you to say how you actually walk through those moments of just what you offer to me. You always ask, what can I do for you? Or, well, I check in with myself first. Is this something that I want to get into right now? Or am I willing to, or do I have the resources to, to be in this moment? And so far I haven't run into a, no, get the hell out of here and run for the hills. <laughs> um, so yeah, first it starts with a check-in to see where my capacities, my levels, my stress, all those things are at for the day. Get a hold of my my cockpit and my gauges and make sure that I'm in my lane. And then letting go of that and just being willing to, what do you need? I'm here for you. There's no expectations, no requirements, just clarity of, well, let's just clean the slate right now. Put all this shit aside. I'm here for you. To be present is what it means to hold space. It's to create a container for the person to voice, express, and feel everything that they are. He's like a tornado shelter. And the more that I've read on divine masculine energy, that's what it is. It's, it's a container that will hold the storm. It just contains the storm. It's not trying to stop it, squelch it, fix it. So he just says, I'm here for you. Let it go. Let it loose. Speak it scream it yell it cry it out whatever it is and sometimes it's just having him in the room and oftentimes now that i'm more comfortable with this i'm humble enough to say what i really need is for you to hold me and in the beginning i wasn't used to being held i never had that connection with my first husband and so that felt strange but he's been so consistent in showing up for me and i trust him and love him when he says what can i do for you what do you need from me right now that I can just say, can you just hold me? And I'll curl up in the fetal position. And he just curls up behind me and holds until I'm ready to speak my fears, my doubts, my frustrations. All he does is says, I love you and I'm here for you. And that's it. And the wave of emotion washes over me and then it recedes and I'm reset. And the levels of trust that I have with him are at a hundred percent. I know I can take anything to him and he's going to understand how to hold space for me because ultimately it's my responsibility to source my emotional needs from within. I will restabilize, I will recalibrate. And in fact, it's nothing that I have to do. It's a natural rhythm and cycle that's divinely wired into me. It's gonna happen if I just relax and surrender. But that time together is extremely intimate, you know, just respecting and doing that Vice versa is really important. And this is a big one that most women don't well, do. Before you, yeah. before you go there, that's I'd like to offer. The importance of the check-in before is of the utmost importance so that you don't offer something that you don't truthfully have intention or willingness to give. When I, when I step into that space and when I you know, offer myself, I've already put all my own things in check with clarity and intention that we're not going to be mid-conversation. She's sharing something and all of a sudden I have something, trigger something in me that pops up. Oh yeah, no, that reminds me. I want to tell you blah, blah, blah. That takes it off course. No, that is her space. I am choosing to hold 
open, clear space for whatever shows up for her. Mm. My things are in check. They're off the table right now. This is purely her space. And how do you not go into wanting to fix it? It's a choice. There's mm. nothing to fix. If And that's that's the thing too. In holding that space, if there is something for me to fix, it'll come up. Mm. She will clearly say, here's what my experience is, here's what I'm feeling, and here's what you can do, or here's where I need you, or here's where whatever it is. Mm-hmm. She'll tell you, this isn't the guessing game that we've been programmed with, mm-hmm. where we have to be mind readers. Mm-hmm. Take a pause, hold space for each other, and allow allow one another to express the truth of, of their needs and their intention in each moment. Just be present. This principle and process are directly linked to the scripture that says, be still and know that I'm God. When a person operates in the present moment through stillness, not trying to do their way out of it, but just being, they get on the same frequency as the spirit of revelation. Because revelation or God's voice cannot come to you yesterday or tomorrow. It can't. It comes to you in the now. Very few of us live in the now or know how to be still and present because we're dealing with past issues that we keep bringing up and stressing over or we're ruminating on the future with anxiety and fear. So this is amazing. When he gets into this space, I believe and have witnessed and watched that he receives divine guidance too, sometimes as to what to do or what his role is or if there's anything in here in his behaviors that could be calibrated so that he elevates to living a new truth that then affects the system for the better. It comes through his direct line of inspiration, not because I'm telling him I need you to do this differently or that, but I can be sharing, hey, when you said this, this is what I felt. This is what my story was that I was telling myself. This is how I interpreted it. I interpret it as if I'm not enough. And that's all my business to clear up that wound. I'm attached to that fear and that comes way from past programming so it's not your fault that i feel like i'm not enough but this comment scratched the scab off of that old wound and that's what i'm dealing with in this moment that's why i shut down earlier in that conversation or that's why i acted the way i acted so i'm going to share that with you and then i'm going to work on me but he gets to then sit with that in stillness and go inward and upward and say god show me what this means for me and not having to defend myself Check your freaking ego before you go into that space. There's nothing to defend. This is purely a safe space for expression of of the other's experience. And as they're walking through that, it gives you time and pause and quiet space to, to plug in and find what applies to you too. This is so radical. He's so brilliant at it. And I can see and feel on his face when his ego wants to be there because he's feeling like blamed. Like I brought up, you know, that sarcastic comment felt really shameful on my side. You know, and sarcasm is a part of both of our personalities and our pasts, but I have chosen to, to call it out and get it out of my life because it's only hurtful. It doesn't elevate or inspire or bring the spirit of love in. And so sometimes I share with him and I'll start by saying, This is called a conscious conversation. Can I share with you what came up for me instead of we need to have a talk because I'm going to tell you what you're doing wrong and what hurts me. That's where my ego is going to show up. He he felt it right there. Even you pretending, (laughs) he was like. (laughs) But it is just that, that offering of a conversation versus 
I'm going to attack you. Demanding. Yeah. It, it presents a totally di different atmosphere. That's a relationship pivot. Most of us say we need to have a talk and the partner knows the wrecking ball is coming in. Oh, and shit, I screwed up somewhere. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So can we, can I share with you what came up for me, Eric, when you made this statement, I immediately noticed that I felt shame because my chest got tight. I physically turned away from you, but that was my body's response to shame. Shame wants to make us hide. Our eyes will divert and our body will move away when we're experiencing shame, just as like a little child who's being punished they want to run and hide or they'll hide their face shame affects us as humans in the very same way so being aware because i am present and i do live in this connected space i immediately pick up on i'm feeling shame then i ask myself what am i telling myself that's how you reveal the cognition the story in my head is what's producing the shame and I'm telling myself that something, you know, that what Eric just said meant this, this, or this about me. And then I look at the shame. I ask myself, what is true? Here's what I'm telling myself. And then I go inward to my soul and I say, soul, what is true? And the soul will reveal to me, here's the truth. The truth is you are not that. There's nothing to be ashamed of. You are love and light. I breathe and receive that inspiration and I trust it. I put it as the priority. This is truth. Now I'm able to turn to him and then share that whole experience. Eric, can I share with you what, what I experienced today? When you said this statement, da, 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 I noticed, and I just explained everything. Like I just said, that my body did this. I asked myself, I found my story. This is what I'm telling myself. I'm now choosing to believe that I'm not that. I love myself. And then thank you. I just thank him. Thank you for letting me share this. It was scary. For me to bring this and very vulnerable for me to put my heart out there and let you know where I went, sharing my shame spiral or my fear. It could be seen as weakness. He could get defensive, blah, blah, blah. But on his side, all he does is he has sat with it time and time again, whatever the it was, processed through it so humbly and then come back to me with such an open heart. And it's because it wasn't blame or attack. I'm sharing and then taking personal responsibility for navigating my own emotional intelligence. I will fix it on my end. I will love myself bigger. I will turn to the spirit of truth and I give him space to take the situation and turn to the spirit of truth. Our relationship is more godly and God connected than anything I've ever seen or anything I experienced in my past relationship where we were building our modern day tower of Babel. In my past relationship, we were doing all the things we thought we had to do to get closer to heaven and God. And the spirit showed me, Angel, you're building a modern day Tower of Babel. And that was a shocking, like, I thought those people in the past were so dumb and lacked intelligence. Why would they think they could build a structure and get to heaven? And then it was like, surprise, this is what you're doing. And many modern day people are doing just constantly. And in, as you're in that process of doing your way into heaven, you're constantly competing and judging your partner. Come on, get along for the ride. Do what I'm doing. And you're not, there's no room in the relationship for each person to be directly connected to God. You're putting all the labels and the expectations on each other constantly. And all it does is drive both of you into the ground. Hmm. And I'd like to add too, that the world has programmed us that we are so different, that men and women are so opposite. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Peel apart the layers and we are the same at the core absolutely the same we are driven by the same things we want the same things we are true mirrors of each other 
we have different journeys in this world and the way that we experience in our program to operate. And so take time, peel apart those layers, see what's really going on underneath and allow, allow that space to, to show up. What Eric just said, that understanding eradicates about 80% yeah. of the problems in marriages because we fight, argue, and contend with one another about surface differences. He and I on the surface are completely different. We've been laughing and saying that we need a, a brand halo and horns angel being the halo and eric being the horns <laughs> our backgrounds are so different i was molly mormon so strict so attached to the moral codes of conduct and when it was brought to light one day when one of my sons said hey mom where were you in the year 2000 i said i was just off my lds mission and i was headed to college at byu hawaii and he's turned to eric and said eric where were you in the year 2000 he said i was riding with the hell's angels in vegas <laughs> you know, it was like, huh? <laughs> and everywhere along our path up until the day that we met, we were just so different. And the differences on the surface are still present. Like his surface values and interests and dudes are so different from mine. And it would be easy to fight about that. It would be easy. I noticed it on a daily basis that the old me would have attacked that mm -hmm. the way he does everything, the way he keeps his side of the room the way he lets laundry stack up, the way he chooses to eat out every day, the way he, like, the music he listens to. I mean, on every level, I have noticed again and again, I, if in my ego, could have blown this relationship up and ended it. And yet, because we're not operating on that mortal level anymore, we're seeking divine guidance, we have cultivated the most epic and passionate relationship. It's mind-blowing to me that there's that, surface level of being and just constantly being it's all egoic and fear-based versus checking in and allowing the spirit to tutor me in all those moments because every time i've had a thought about his way of being that well that's not right you can't just keep all that trash on your side of the bed and there's a trash can over there the spirit says angel look inward where is the trash building up in your life take the principle turn it inward and when i ask with humility and real intent to know the truth it's delivered my trash on the side of the bed might be emotional baggage it might be things i'm procrastinating it might be stuff i've put under the bed so that nobody sees it but i have stuff then i go to my lane staying in my lane and i start to clean up my stuff i clean up my trash i don't say anything to him about his stuff or micromanage his behaviors and time and time again I have noticed that he has on his own just cleaned up his trash or made a change. And he doesn't have to because I'm already in a space of peace of like, oh, this was just mirroring to me an opportunity for me to grow. And I suspend judgment of him and can come into love and truth and light by taking the focus off him. So that's a miracle. There's one other thing I've got to share because... And you might have to make this a two-part thing or whatever, three-part, four-part. I would just be here all day. <laughs> There's just one more thing that the Spirit taught me. I never read it in a book or saw it demonstrated or learned it at church. Okay, we are going to leave you on another cliffhanger. So we've got one more episode recorded and there's just so much stuff to process through that you get to wait till next time to hear this one more thing Angel wanted to say that um, the Spirit taught her, which also leads to like five more things. So you 
have one more episode to look forward to. And then, of course, just let us know if you have any questions. She said she is happy to come back on. And I am super grateful to Angel and Eric for their time. Thanks so much for subscribing and leaving a review. Come join our amazing free community, Life Changing Trips. There's a link in the description.